Hi everybody, General Tyler here. Before the episode begins, I'd just like to say that we ended up having some technical difficulties and ended up losing the actual Grimjack section of our Grimjack episode. So this episode will end up only being the news, but not to worry, we're already hard at work trying to figure out a way to redo this episode without just trying to recreate conversation, because that never ends up sounding all that great. Uh, but we will end up talking about Grimjacks again sometime in the decently near future, and I hope that you enjoy everything that we do ramble on about this week. Bye. General Nerdery. So I sat down thinking, okay, I need to come up with an intro for this part. And then we start talking about other things. And you went, all right, you ready to go? Do you have an intro? And I went, yes. And then you hit record and I went, no. <laughs> so this, I guess, is my intro. Yeah. My preparation time. Uh, welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. Uh, we're your generals. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And today we're here to talk about old comic books mostly. But yeah. first. You mean for the first time in like a month, it's not movies? Oh, it's been longer than that, man. We don't. <laughs> we only do every other week now. <laughs> but first, what are we doing for ingesting? Ingesting. Ingesting. I ingested a lot lately. Oh. First, I mean, for the easy ones are more City Skylines, more Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, there's a lot of continuations and things. Uh, and then I never talked about it, but I'd sort of in season four, I'd sort of fallen off. Um, finishing off Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. Restarted back in on that. Like When you say restarted, do you mean like... Not all the way four? from the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, just from where I was at before. <laughs> well, it was a little bit back from where I was at before. An episode or two, I get that, yeah. Well, I started where, where my girlfriend had gotten up to before. Ah, okay, that makes and sense. And so she had almost caught up to me, but not quite, so I redid a couple episodes, and then we're now like four episodes past where I was previously. And cool. I think like 11 from the end and it's amazing. Uh, wow. Like, holy cow. Some really, 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 really good sci-fi writing and exploring really, really deep themes. Anyway, that might end up having to be its own episode in the future. So I'm not going to go too much into that. Well, I mean, that was Star Trek creators being allowed to do what they weren't allowed to do, do on, on Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. Cause that's Brandon Braga. I think it's, um, uh, Ron Moore. Oh, okay. And, oh, I should know the other guy's name. It's anyway, okay. David Fine. Icke. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the, the new ones, the, the cool things, the one that I really wanted to bring up, I guess, is, oh, I think back when we first started this podcast, I think I was playing this a little bit, and I got back into playing Blood Bowl again. That's fun. You've mentioned it before. I know what it is. It's uh, football 40K. Yeah, um, not 40k. Oh, more like football uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, it's turn-based Warhammer Fantasy football simulator. I have a lot of friends that like it. I'm not. Yeah, there's like long period of silence there, but that's just because I don't know how to respond to that sentence. Yeah, it's weird. Also, like anybody who knows football really well goes turn-based football, and I'm like, yes, it somehow works a lot better than it should. But it's also not actual football rules, which is why it works. Also, 
Murder. Yeah, lots of murder. Dude, I play a chaos team, so like... Murder. Oh, my whole... <laughs> I don't win by scoring points. I win by taking the out the rest dead. of the other team and then scoring a point at the very end because there's nobody left to block me. <laughs> Try and stop me now, corpse. Um... But then um, the new, okay, here's the cool one. It's the new Michael Schur comedy. It's a Peacock exclusive. Oh, I've been seeing ads for this. Rutherford Falls. I love it. Is it I'm, good? I, it's really good. It's, I was thinking about this earlier. All the things that I have to say that are really, really good about the show don't make it sound like a fun comedy. But it's really, really good. Um... I believe it's the uh, Michael Schur is one of the the executive producers, obviously on it. Like he's mm-hmm. the name that probably got a greenlit. I believe the other. I don't know if it's showrunner. I don't know which how high up the food chain it is. I I'd have to look at all the specifics. Um, first female native led uh, comedy series, I believe. As well, well, that's just a depressing sentence, but good for. As well as do like, do you have the actress's name? I haven't. I'm sorry, I don't. Oh, know. Um, well, the the lead actress, Janice Schmeeding, is I believe also the first uh, female native lead for a big comedy. I can't think of any others. Uh, she's one of the writers. Half the writers' room is native, and probably about eighty percent of the cast. That's great. That's I can't. Th- uh, comedy or not, I can't think of another show on TV that's doing that. And it's funny, and the writing is really smart. Um, the other big name attached is uh, Ed Helms is the, the mm-hmm. leading male. Here's where, like, it doesn't sound like a comedy, but it absolutely is, but it's amazing, amazing writing. I mean, sure, it's pretty good at doing stuff that shouldn't be comedies that are... But here's what's good about it. Ed Helms' character is the perfect encapsulation of how you don't have to be even the slightest bit bigoted to technically be a white supremacist. Okay. And like I said, it makes the show not sound that fun. But it is. But it is. Is it awkward, like, Michael Scott in the office kind of comedy? Or? It's not quite that cringe. Okay. I mean, there's a little bit of cringe to it. It's not that I'll bad. I'll be honest, I can't do the office. I could barely do it back when it was coming out. And I tried to watch it recently, and I was like, oh, no. No, like, uh, Ed Helms' character is kind of awkward socially, but not to, like, a Michael extent by any means. I fucking hope not. Um, uh, not by any means. There, like I said, there's still some cringe there. But did sure do Brooklyn Nine Nine as well? Because I know one of the Parks and Rec guys did Brooklyn Nine. This is, uh, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. So he's got a good track record. I mean, even if I'm not a big Office fan, I respect the cult following it developed, and I really like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine. So, and, I mean. I consider The Good Place to be one of the greatest TV shows ever filmed, so... I just really need to... (laughs) You want to hear the most pathetic reason why I haven't started The Good Place yet? We changed what computer we watch TV on, and we haven't bothered to load up Netflix yet? No, I understand that. Because we have Disney Plus and HBO Go, so, like... With the amount of Star Wars that we're willing to watch in my house, that is... 
all you need is the the Disney Plus, <laughs> right? Um, oh, I guess I should maybe mention what the show is actually about, though. Like Rutherford yes. Falls, yeah. instead of just white supremacy. Yeah, it's yeah. White... <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. He's not bigoted at all, though. It's not that kind of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. That's saying those words make it sound not fun. Um, Rutherford Falls is there's a controversy over a statue in the town. It's not a Confederate statue. It's a statue of the founder. It's just that it's in a place in the grid where it's it's a public safety hazard and people keep crashing into it. Okay. Ed Helms's character is the only Rutherford still living in Rutherford Falls. I haven't been able to figure out if the town of Rutherford Falls is actually on the reservation or if it's right up next to the reservation. It's one of... It, but it's right there. towns like that across Montana. Exactly. Like I was going to say, we know a bunch of towns like that in our own backyard. Mm-hmm. Like, And so his best friend uh, runs the local Native Cultural Center, and that's the Janice Meetings character. And... Like, they've been homies all the time, and she's trying to help him with his fight because he doesn't want the statue moved because it's his family mm-hmm. who helped found the town. You get where that's coming from. But then it just keeps going. And like I said, it's not... It's weird, but it's fun. And, it's, and like, uh, you know, a, a reporter shows up and starts looking into it more because of he's trying to turn it into a story and... Uh, he was also on Shit's Creek. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's great in it as well. And it's also kind of fun. I don't know. There's just some shit that comes up in it that you don't often get to see because there's not much Native representation. No, it's garbage. It's And so there's actually a lot of interplay between like her running the local cultural center and trying to preserve uh, her tribe's heritage and artifacts. Uh, juxtaposed against the fact that the cultural center is ran out of uh, the reservation casino. Okay. And like the main guy who's trying to turn the the statue fight against Nate for his own purposes is the owner of the casino, who is truly both doing great things for the community, but also very much enriching himself at the same time. I can't pretend to speak with any authority here from what I have read about reservation casinos. That's not uncommon. Right. So it's all that weird interplay. But once again, that makes it sound like a serious show. It's very much a comedy. It is great. (laughs) I already wanted to watch it. Now I just kind of confused want to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think the breakout star for me has been uh, Jesse Lee as Bobby Yang, who's Nate's assistant. Uh, they are fantastic. Nice. Let's see. What have I... Oh, I watched uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch premiered this oh, last week. Yeah, how's that? The like continuation of Clone Wars. It's pretty baller. Um. I cannot make it sound as interesting or as deep as everything you just discussed, (laughs) but it is pretty baller. It's about a group of, it's a group of clones that were genetically modified to have like different ones, extra strong ones, an amazing sharpshoot, that kind of like 
almost secret agent super team of clones. But because they were uh, modified like that, the chips in their head that are supposed to activate when Executive Order 66 is activated don't. So all the other clones, for the most part, are like, yeah, let's kill the Jedi. Empire, go. These guys are like, what the hell is going on? What is happening right here? And it's pretty baller. Like, that's just... I wouldn't recommend necessarily watching it if you haven't seen Clone Wars, probably. Okay. But, or at least Clone Wars Season 7. But honestly, you should be watching Clone Wars already, so, like, that's not a... I don't know. You might be able to watch it without it, but you'll get more because you meet most of these characters in Clone Wars. It's a definite like continuation kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, they went rogue from the Empire way faster than I was expecting. Okay. I was expecting like, oh, you know, half a season kind of thing before they decide. Like maybe this we're isn't. not on board. Nah, with man, this. it takes them like twenty seconds. And they're like, oh yeah, no, screw this. Fuck this noise. We out. The main guy looks like Rambo, and he's got the fucking headband on, too. That's what like I'm he's weirdly interested in. Hunter's not my favorite of them, but I do like him. My favorite's the big, strong guy, because I'm a sucker for the big, strong, dumb guy. Like, it's just, it's a motif that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finally read all of the original, or not the original, uh, the 2012 Archer and Armstrong series. Oh, okay. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one where, when they relaunched it, making Archer the fundy Christian instead of a hard right. Christian kind of thing. Uh, I had read most of it before, but I'd never sat down and like read it all in order. And there were a few issues I had missed in between. Okay. And I am about halfway through the follow-up series, ANA, the adventures of Archer and Armstrong. Cause I just got on a valiant kick. There's so many comics I'm supposed to be reading for our, like, 15 podcasts, and I'm reading fucking Archer and Armstrong. No, I get it, I am... because I was about to say, I completely missed my other big ingesting, which I'm most the way through House of X, Powers of Ten. I know there's a reason it's called Powers of Ten. It bothers me that it's House of X, Powers of Ten. Like, I want it to be one or the other. I understand, but then also after reading the first issue, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why. It makes sense. Um, I've read the first couple issues of both parts of Hawkspox. I really like Jonathan Hickman. I should say that before I make fun of him here. He is a fantastic fucking comic writer. That was the most most Jonathan Hickman bullshit I have ever read in my life. Oh no, yeah, it's 100 it's super Hickman through and through like getting to unleash within this super established world, which I think is a part of the reason why I'm loving it. I mean, they promised it was going to be the biggest X-Men comic since Grant Morrison rewrote everything, and they were not lying. Holy shit. Um, I do have to feel kind of bad. This book was originally supposed to launch a couple years before it did, but stuff happened and they didn't get to it. And so the X-Men universe was kind of in static because the editors had to keep telling the writers like, okay, you can kind of do what you want, but like, you can't get too crazy because there's stuff coming up. Yeah, there's stuff coming. And everyone's like, we all know it's Hickman. Every, 
every writer in the staff knows Hickman's coming on. And we're not even necessarily mad about that, but it's really frustrating to create mm -hmm. during that, like, in-between timeline. They also made a lot of X-Men stuff I really liked in that in-between timeline, too, so, like... You should still apps that that makes it sound like they weren't allowed to do fun stuff. No, they made some of my favorite X Men comics, but I do feel for them being like that's kind of stifling. Mm -hmm. This is one of the biggest shakeups to establishment. Any sort of character that I've seen in years, though. Yeah, I can't think of a. Th nope, I've got nothing that tops this. Um, and I'm not even sure if parts of it I truly like, but all of it is engrossing. There's a lot of stuff that makes me desperately uncomfortable, but from everything that I've like read and seen, it's supposed to. Yes. Like, I think, I think that's why I'm so on board with it. Cause even the things I'm like, Ooh, Cyclops is sounding an awful lot like Magneto right now. Yeah, which they've been flirting with that for the last 20 years. But uh... but then, like, everybody unequivocally, like, having his back on it, too. Well, there's a definite... <laughs> I'm being careful not to reveal too much here, but there is someone who has openly been manipulating Professor Xavier. Yes. To an insane degree, and thanks to let's just say comic books, they've been doing it like Xavier's entire life at this point. Yes. And thanks to comic books, both he wasn't before and he always was and just roll with it. Like, it's just, I am one being purposely obtuse and two, it's a Hickman story. So like, that's, that is the best oh way to God. explain it um, without it turning into an entire episode, <laughs> which we'll probably do. So if someone's been manipulating Xavier to the point that, like, pretty openly, Xavier's morals have been altered insanely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's still Professor Xavier, but he's Xavier off the deep end in a lot of ways. It's, it's extremely likely that that Xavier has been manipulating everyone else, too. Mm-hmm. I will say there is a slight bit of refreshingness to just the idea, though, of all of the mutants finally being like, yo, somebody tries to genocide us every other year. Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing anything about it. So now we're going to. It's I, I like the idea of much more like mutant unity as the like culture of mutants has developed. I think a lot of it's really interesting. A lot of it's just very... My critique here is I am really tired of, it turns out Professor Xavier's been doing really dark shit behind our backs the whole time. Oh, right, because that's, that's happened way too often. Because it is the, like, power move of Xavier stories, so it's what they keep going to anymore, and I... And let me be clear that even when we pitched our own X-Men ideas, that was part of my pitch, was one of the uh, Professor Xavier's was kind of doing shady shit. I get it. And there are some truly great stories from it. The problem is it feels super overused to me anymore. Mm -hmm. And in much the same way that I think we need to retire the Joker for three or four years, which isn't happening because he's got an ongoing series right now. But uh, does he really have not been paying attention? Yeah, it's mostly Commissioner Gordon trying to hunt down the Joker, but it's still okay. called Joker as a uh, monthly series. Uh, okay. Uh, but 
as much as I think we need to retire the Joker for about five years, I think we need to retire the turns out Xavier's been doing shady shit behind our backs. For about ten? For five to ten years, yeah. Just have him straight up be like good Professor it's Xavier okay for to a be while. A good guy. Like I like depth and living in gray, but you know, every once in a while we need to be reminded why why people are still willing to listen to Xavier at all. Look, all I know all I know is I have caught a couple of articles recently where I guess the the current storylines uh partially involve Nightcrawler and having to deal with his faith in the light of reincarnation reincarnation which uh, super interests me because nightcrawler has been my boy for forever oh i love nightcrawler i was raised catholic so well and I there's know... oh yeah that's a complete level that i've never had yeah uh and there's because reincarnation is a big thing in this x-men are just being mm-hmm. reborn and dying and he's also just completely mocking the tendency to kill off x-men and have them come back later oh um, yeah and also just it's been kind of confusing on who's alive and who's dead. Let's just have all of them back alive. You mm-hmm. know what? Let's just stop thinking about it. Uh, but like Storm has decided she will not, will not be regen- like be revived like this. Is I think so. They're mm-hmm. doing interesting choices. I really liked what I read. I'm going to continue to like what I read for the most part. Even the places I'm like, I don't agree with this. It's you. It's still. It's engrossing. Compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm realizing we should just do an episode on this. (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) This week, I actually just picked it up for free. It's in my truck right now. They've been giving out, there's something called the Hellfire Gala coming up. I saw that. Which is kind of his like launching point for the next. Actual team, right? Yeah. And for the next uh, set of like, here's where we're going. Because is there even a technical team right now? No. Uh, they decided that the term X-Men was too divisive, so they retired it. Because, I mean, a lot of villains are working with them now. Yes. And then during a big event, Cyclops and Marvel Girl, Jean, mm-hmm. just, I hate that she's called Marvel Girl again. Like, she's too old for it. Marvel Woman, whatever. Just Marvel. <laughs> just Jean. She's Jean fucking she, Grey. Everyone knows who she is. Uh, or like, hey, it turns out we need heroes, so... Try and stop us. We're Cyclops and Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. And the team is pretty baller because it's those two, uh, Polaris, Sink, who is a Generation X member. Okay. Who can just copy the powers of mutants nearby him. He's a lot like yeah. Nick. But he died in the 90s. So and But he was a pretty popular character. So bringing Sink back to do new stuff is um, brave, which okay. I really appreciate. And X-23 is Wolverine. Yeah, which I love X-23 as Wolverine. And there's someone I'm missing, and I don't remember who it is, but whatever. But my original where I was going with is for the Hellfire Gala, they've been designing a bunch of, like, high fashion costumes for different characters. And some of them are only okay, but some of them are just fucking fire. And, like, most of them are like, don't fight crime in that ever. But also, you understand this character really goddamn well. Like, Mm -hmm. this is... That's this good. is great. I've seen a couple of those designs, but I've got to look through some of them. Colossus of is pretty awesome. Like, I uh, haven't seen Colossus's yet. Nightcrawler should just be Nightcrawler's costume. I'm getting it out there. It's like kind of Super Three Musketeers-ish. But this I'm going to look that up right now. This is the man that wants to be Errol Flynn. So 100%. It's goofy, but whatever. 
Oh my God, yes. He just needs to wear that all the time. <laughs> all the time. Oh, please. That is so good. Yeah. <laughs> some are doofy, some are great. That's fine. I I like the idea of experimenting with high culture, and even though I can't stand Emma Frost, I appreciate that, like, they are letting her be Emma Frost while still advancing the cause of mutants in a different way. Mm. She's a terrible X-Man. She's not a terrible, like, cast member. Fair. If yeah, that yeah. makes any yeah. sense. Ooh, yeah, I'm looking through some of these right now. Some of these are... Some of these are real exciting. Wild. Some of them are... Iceman's pretty much wearing a dress and high heels and letting him, like, I'm gay, try and stop me kind of thing, which I love. Angel is just him mostly shirtless, which is classic Angel. I like the Mr. Sinister look. Havoc is Havoc's fire. is fucking perfect. Um, okay, we should stop looking at these in non, uh, non-visual media. I know, but um. still. Ooh, yeah, some of these are real cool, though. Okay. Uh, uh, news. Newstastic four. Who wants to go first? I mean, it doesn't matter to me. What do we? What, All right. What's hot? Uh, what's hot, Johnny Storm? The this is hot to people who are not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the day we're recording this, the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer dropped. Uh, surprise announcement. Despite. Uh, my usual usual choices in media, like Carnage doesn't do it for me either. For the most, this is part. the most interesting part of Carnage, like the the most interesting depiction of Carnage I've ever seen, and I'm still at like negative ten. Give a fuck, which I'm usually at like negative fifty. So, good job, guys. <laughs> like, <sighs> so to me, okay. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The trailer was fine. There were some fun parts in it. I like both. I like the way they introed the trailer and the end. They were both fun, funny. As my wife puts it, if you watch, because you still haven't seen the first Venom. I still haven't seen the first Venom. If you watch it as a romantic comedy between Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote, it's a significantly better movie than if you try to watch it as a movie. It's like a, you know, action movie or hero movie or whatever. Uh, clearly, I like Woody Harrelson, so I'm curious to see what he does as Cletus Cassidy. The cast is good, and that's the part that I'm excited by. Tom Hardy's always amazing. Yeah, and Tom Hardy's playing Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote, and that's just Tom Hardy having, like, a mental breakdown and recording it is pretty great. He fought another symbiote in the last movie. So I'm going to be real curious what they do to make this interesting. Yeah. Cause it wasn't interesting last time. Who, which symbiote was the last? I movie? don't even remember. Mm. He was silver in this. I don't know if he was in the comics. He was, I don't know. Uh, he was forgettable. Okay. Um, so here's my carnage. Carnage feels like, it should be the DC version of Venom. Does that make sense? Yeah. Carnage doesn't feel like, and it's not that Marvel characters can't be dark and like symbiotes attached to serial killers, which by the way is a fantastic idea that I really wish I was more into. Uh, 
but it really is, oh, this Venom guy's popular. Let's do our own spin on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think what it was is they started to realize that Venom, beyond being just crazy popular, let's do more with that, was becoming more of an anti-hero than a villain, but they still wanted... A villain. A villain, so they made Carnage. I will say the recent design decision to give Carnage that, like, spiral on his forehead, I think is a gorgeous look. I really like that look. Um, uh, Carnage first appeared in a David Micheline run, and he, like, ran Spider-Man in the early 90s. And honestly, it's weird. I love that era of Spider-Man. I think there's some truly great comics from the David Micheline run. Micheline, I don't know. Micheline mm -hmm. run. I think Carnage's first appearance is unreadable. And I picked up Absolute Carnage, the like huge crossover Carnage story to try and every once in a while I like to challenge myself when I've been like comfortable hating a character for a couple of years, being like, that character's bullshit. Is it bullshit or, or are you just bad at things, Zach? Right. And it's about 50-50 when I check, but nope. It was bullshit. Carnage still kind of sucks. I'm sorry, guys. Um, the hipster part of me is anytime that someone finds out that I'm like a big Spider-Man fan. They're like, I really love carnage, man. And that like, we're going to bond on this. I'm like, Oh, I don't give me Doc Hawk or the Rhino any day. My favorite thing about carnage literally is the fact that what was the, the super Nintendo game maximum carnage. I think it was also maximum carnage. Yeah. The cartridge was was red. <laughs> I will never forget that. It was, I was like, oh my God, red cartridge. He was originally supposed to be named Ravage, but there was a really terrible series called Ravage 2099 going at the time. And Marvel mm. wouldn't let them have two characters named Ravage. I think I like Carnage. Carnage better. is a better name. I think I like Carnage better anyway. Also, there was a follow-up series to Maximum Carnage called Minimum Carnage. Because he's supposed to be sent to, like, the microverse and shrunk down oh, tiny and it goes yeah. terribly. Which is clever. But also, that is the worst name to get me to want to read a book. Give... Oh, no. Oh. Give me a new series of Minimum Carnage where that just... While shrunk down, he just becomes a worldwide pandemic. Well, now you just made this too serious. <laughs> <laughs> the Carnage 19 virus, Jesus. Uh, okay, what about... Oh, yeah, what do I got? Um, let's start with... Uh, let's oh, start with the science. Sorry, one last thing that blew oh. me away. Andy fucking Circus is directing that movie. Oh, yeah. That okay. movie's directed by Gollum. Yeah, so I'll watch it. I've never seen anything he directed. I didn't... I didn't know he directed until I saw that went... Really? Andy Serkis? I'm trying to remember. I know he directed something else about He did I a Mowgli it. thing. Yeah, that was it. The I, one for Netflix. I heard it was decent. Yeah. I heard it was not as good as... Uh, um, the live-action remake of Jungle Book? Or the original. But yeah, I, I, why can't I think of that actor? Um, Favreau. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Favs. Yeah, the Favs one was probably better, but Favs is a very reliable director, so that's not surprising. Um... For me, it's whether it can beat the mid-90s live-action Jungle Book or not. Man, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. With Lena Headey. <laughs> okay. As, uh. <laughs> as the love interest. 
Okay. She's really weird looking back. Anyway, okay. Jesus, uh, I did not realize that. Anyways, you're saying Reed Richards here? My Reed Richards, my science, um, published in Nature, uh, 67% of participants who received three MDMA-assisted therapy sessions no longer qualified for a PTSD diagnosis. Holy shit. Um, that interested me enough that I actually ended up reading most of the actual, like, study. Mm-hmm. Which, um... Reading fried, scientific papers is an experience. Fried my brain for half the morning. Uh, I do wish... Uh, it, was, it was neat. So, beyond just simply seeming to, to help speed along the process, because the... The, the placebo group did have uh, progress as well because mm-hmm. they were still getting therapy. Yeah. Turns out therapy's real helpful. Yeah. Turns out therapy's helpful. Uh, but it sped along the process. The thing was some of... They made sure to include common comorbidities uh, that tend to go along with PTSD. Mm-hmm. So some of, the, some of the people in the study also had a history of like alcoholism some of the people along with their ptsd uh it would be exhibited with dissociation that sort of thing certain certain of those behaviors tend to be more resistant to therapy than others that makes sense so one of the big breakthroughs from actually reading through the paper because by the way if you guys can if those out there listening can handle that, like frying your brain on all the big words for a little bit, always actually reading the studies is helpful because science reporting is garbage. Oh, it's bad. It's really, I think there's a, uh, last week tonight making fun of how awful science science reporting reporting is. is absolute garbage. Always go read it. If you have the time and the headspace. One of the neat things is it seemed to even out a bit and those normal comorbidities that would slow down therapy weren't as a problem. Everything seemed to prog- progress at the same rate with the MDA, MDMA-assisted therapy. Uh-huh. Um, and it ended up being like, in the placebo group, 33% of... Uh, those going through the, the three sessions uh, ended up uh, by the end of it no longer being diagnosable as having PTSD. They didn't. They no longer reached all the symptoms required to to make the check mark, you know, mm-hmm. off the list. Um, and five percent ended up being considered in remission. On the with MDMA side, sixty seven percent ended up being no longer diagnosable as PTSD with full 33% being in remission. So that's most of the people. That's all. That's like 98% had significant. Jesus Christ. So that's something. This was also already a phase three trial. Um, there was other things leading up to this. Mm-hmm. This is going to help pinpoint other studies to further do and will hopefully be used as evidence as to why, like, 
don't, drugs, drugs can be good. Drugs can be good. Definitely need to reschedule some of them just to make it easier to do scientific research, if nothing else. Like, drugs like there's can be uh, real bad. Don't get me wrong, but drugs can be real good when, yeah. like, used in appropriate circumstances. And this sounds like one of the most that promising... That sounds like a fucking appropriate circumstance right there. Yeah. Being able... And these were all people that were classified as having severe PTSD. That was one of the, the criteria for the selection of these. This wasn't just, like, on whatever, you know, whatever the scale mm -hmm. is of PTSD, this is, like, the top... Like 20% of people. Yeah, this is, without mocking anyone who has PTSD, this, is the this isn't the people that are like, well, you barely qualify as having PTSD. They're like the, oh yeah, buddy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't get me wrong. If you got PTSD at whatever level, all love and yeah. <laughs> the respect yeah, yeah, to yeah. you. We're not trying to put you down. It's <laughs> just like, there's a there are technically scientific scales for this that they try to figure out as best they can. And they were specifically choosing ones that were way up here. God, imagine having to be the person that has to like define that scale. Yeah. That, just the thought of that gives me anxiety. Well, from, from what I saw, less than 10% of the original applicants actually made it through all the screening process to the study itself. Jesus. Because they did have all the numbers for that and stuff in the study. So, <laughs> anyway, there we go. Science. Uh, for my Ben Grimm, this one only counts as like Rocksteady because we talk about the Marvel Comics universe all the goddamn time. Because Lord knows, I don't think we've ever even brought up Shang-Chi before in this podcast. <laughs> so that's why, it's, yeah, he's the odd one out. But we watched the Shang-Chi trailer, which I think... God, it must have dropped, like, right after our last yeah. episode. That's okay. My last piece of news, I think, technically dropped right before our last episode. Oh, but This one is interesting because, in, in some ways, this is the biggest risk I have seen Marvel take. In other ways, it's still Guardians of the Galaxy because that was an insane choice to make. And thank you for it, James Gunn. Mm -hmm. Because Shang-Chi is just... Bruce Lee as created by Jim Starlin, the creator of Thanos. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And I like Shang-Chi. I have a Shang-Chi comic in my truck right now. But, like, Shang-Chi's always been kind of an odd one out because usually when they're like, martial artist superhero, Iron Fist. Shang-Chi is that dude that hangs out with the superheroes all of the time, but is a 100% not one. I mean, he doesn't have a costume. He sometimes puts on, like, a uniform kind of thing, or, like, at one point he has, I don't know, a, a, a suit, like, a business suit, basically. Oh, okay. Like, a, that makes it sound like an actual suit suit. But, like, eh, something that you can move and fight in, but is not a superhero costume. I don't know. It's strange. But okay. he's been an Avenger. Like, this dude has made way good for himself. It's interesting, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, my Montanan accent is uh, <laughs> um, making it basically say Shishi for me. Um, Shang-Chi was originally supposed to be the son of Fu Manchu, like the actual Fu Manchu, and then Marvel lost the rights, so for a while they just went, your father! And then they eventually gave him a name of, I believe, I don't know if it's Zhang-Zi or Zhang-Yi, 
because there were okay. brothers oh. that helped form this thing. One of them died, one of them lived, and I just read this comic for the first time like two days ago. So it's one of those two. Yes. Uh, and it sure seems like in this version it might be the real Mandarin because it's what I was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings or something mm-hmm. like that. Which, cool. I've I've gone on record that I'm pretty in favor of Marvel narrowing down the number of tchotchkes and weird secret organizations and all of those things into a much more manageable level for the movies. Mm-hmm. In the comics, make Fine, it whatever. so there's Go like... Crazy. 80 secret cults from ancient China. Love it. Absolutely adore it. For the movie, maybe two. In, I want to see more? Yeah, it's an early Marvel trailer, so it's hard to say. It's weird that we got this before we got Eternals, because I think Eternals is coming out first. I think you're right. I don't know. I'd have to look We've it up. We've gotten like two seconds of Eternals. Um, I like seeing more representation. Aquafina looks like she's going to be funny and she's just I mean she's just playing Aquafina from mm-hmm. what I can tell but that's fine. I'm excited to see I'm not sure what's actually going on. Like why does it go from Rumble in the Bronx downtown to a slightly supernatural giant legend epic what do you know about shang chi i should just get that out there i know first of all. not hardly anything at all about shang chi okay but so i know, you know a lot about what's not. yeah um but i know a lot about what's going on in the mc universe true and i'm trying to figure out how this okay so shang's story is he is the daughter of i'm gonna go zheng Zhu. okay zheng i'm so sorry i will look this up between this episode and next um, I've read them many times, saying them <laughs> out loud. I'm like, oh, I sound so white right now. Zheng Zhu, who is, I mean, he's old school Fu Manchu. He's a yeah. uh, cult leader, been alive for centuries, secret organization, murder guy from China. Shang was raised in his father's cult to be not necessarily his replacement, because you don't replace that guy, especially because he lives forever, but, you know, to be his right-hand man, to be his personal assassin, stuff like that, he breaks away and joins British intelligence, which is a very weird choice to make, but okay. It looks like he was sent out into the world. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I raised you this way, I'm going to send you out into the world for whatever reason, because... It's his Rumspringer. Yeah, basically, or like you want to try it out, or I need you to understand how the real world works so you'll be more effective when you have to like go do stuff. Mm -hmm. But it sure looks like for whatever reason, dad calls him home and he flips him the bird and then his dad sends stupid knife hands guys after him. Uh, We see him very briefly. The character's name is Razor Fist. And I don't know why I hate Razor Fist as much as I do. But you do. I really fucking hate Razor Fist. He's just a dude with knives instead of hands. He's like the Wish.com Wolverine. And there have been three of them. Oh, no. There have been three Razor Fists. People keep going, that's a good idea. Um... And I think part of it is he is so completely like Shang-Chi is supposed to be 
worst case scenario on par with Iron Fist, but honestly, a better fighter than Iron Fist and a better fighter than Daredevil by like a significant amount. Mm-hmm. He is the martial artist. And their big, like, he's going to fight someone is a fucking dude with knife hands. That doesn't seem dangerous to me. Well, I don't, that's not the big, I'm going to, he's going to fight someone though, because like I said, it ends up on a giant fucking battlefield where somebody looks like they might be riding a foo dog. Like, okay. So I, yes, I know it's his dad, but like they keep bringing back. Razor Fist. Mm-hmm. If there's a Shang-Chi comic, Razor <laughs> Fist is going to show up, and I don't understand why. Um, I don't your, know. I need to see more. I'm going to watch it. Like, there's nothing. Your dad is alternate universe Shang Tsung, and you can't even pull me up a Kano or something? Like, fair. <laughs> fair. A Prince Goro? Fair. Um, I'm excited, though. I, especially after having watched... The most recent Avengers movies, I'm like gung ho for the MCU again. And I love it when they do stuff that's not the A-list. You know me, I'm a sucker for C-list characters. So give me some more like, you know, Shang-Chi and the Eternals is way more interesting to me than Cap 4. And I'm excited for Cap 4. Yeah, as it is for me right now, it looks like at worst, it's as good as Captain Marvel, which I enjoyed. Yeah, like, as long as it's not Thor the Dark World or Age of Ultron, fine. Yeah. We got one last piece of news. What's our in, our invisible woman? Yeah, uh, like I said, I think this news technically dropped, like, right before we recorded last time. So that's part of the reason why we missed it. But then I was talking to somebody about it just the other day, and they'd completely missed this news as well. And I thought it was just uh, insanely interesting. On this upcoming season of uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Dark Dice. Oh, I heard Jeff, about this. Jeff Goldblum is going to be playing an elven sorcerer named Balmer. And he's apparently a genius at Dungeons and Dragons, which doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I, I that's all you need, right? Like, there's going to be a podcast with Jeff Goldblum. I mean, I'm going to listen to it playing an elf sorcerer. Like I don't listen to many real play podcasts and that one I will. So I listen to some, but there's only so many you can handle in it. Uh, that's the news. That's if, what I got. If <laughs> dark you, dice, if you ever need <laughs> proof that nerddom has taken over the world. Like we were always promised it would when we were kids. Some of the biggest podcasts in the world are fucking Dungeons Dragons podcasts. And Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> the hot guy from Jurassic Park, is is starring in it. Like, I was gonna say Earth Girls are easy, but anyway, man, I haven't watched that. In a minute. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anyway, quick... one of the reporters from Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Sure, that's the one. <laughs> the cowboy from um, Buckaroo Bonsai. Bonsai. Yes. That Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) You know, that's the one he would know. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss Grimjack. Yeah. Which is way better than it sounds, I promise. (laughs) 
Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.